630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Okay, good to have you tuning in tonight. Second period winding down in Toronto. Calgary leading the Maple Leafs 2-1. Predators up 3-1 on the Lightning early in the second period. In the first, it's 1-1 between the Panthers and the Stars. 2-0 Rangers up on the Devils with 8.5 to go. Caps lead the Flyers 5-1 early in the third. And also early in the third, it is 2-1. Bruins leading the Sabres. Curtis Lazar has taken a penalty tonight. He's played just over nine minutes. Taylor Hall has played 9.52 and has one shot on goal. He is also plus one in the game as both those guys make their Boston debuts. The Blue Jays lead the Yankees 6-0. That is in the sixth. And the Hawks lead the Raptors 82-72 with three and a half minutes left in the third. Oilers practice today. Nugent Hopkins was out on the ice before practice. We'll see if he joins the main group tomorrow. Same deal with Slater Cuckoo, who's healing from that broken collarbone. Reed Wilkins with you. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We will go to the CertainTeed hotline. CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials. And welcome a man who has announced his retirement from the Canadian Football League, Ryan King, on the show. Ryan, thanks for coming on, man. How are you doing? Hey, Reed. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Um, I'm doing good. Had a, a good day today, and it was a big day. And, um, you know, I'm just uh, incredibly grateful for, uh, you know, all the support and love that's been shown so far. So thanks for having me on the show, Reed. Well, you deserve it. I, you, you deserve it. I, I mean, you're a great story, and uh, you had a great career. You were an excellent player, and you were a very important member of the community, and I know that's not going to end. But tell me just about reaching this decision. Why now? Why decide to retire at this point? Um, good question, Rita. Um, you know, this has been something that's been obviously kind of weighing on me for, for a little while now, and then obviously with the uh, – you know, the unfortunate COVID situation shutting the season down uh, last year. And, um, you know, it just kind of accelerated some, some other thoughts and some, some ideas to, to look at just what's outside of the game of football. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for, for at least that during this time and shut down because, um, Crystal Glass, Ken Franchuk gave me, uh, an incredible opportunity to, you know, see if I wanted to, to get into a senior management role there. And they kind of put me in a little internship program. We kind of just made this all up on the fly and they got me involved in, you know, the back end of, of, of what they do over there. And, um, you know, it's just you know, one thing led to another, led to another. And, um, you know, here we are. Uh, I just took a position um, with Crystal Glass, you know, this last week and um, which kind of then triggered the, the start of my retirement and, um, it's been a mixed emotional kind of week, but it's been, um, you know, incredibly grateful for obviously the time I played with, with Edmonton and, and I'll do, you know, a lot of years of reflection and, and on that, but uh, just kind of one of those things that just think, you know, everything worked out to be the right timing and, um, you know, I feel good about it and, um, you know, I went with it. So here we are. Ryan, I, I want this generally to be a kind of, happy retrospective memories type interview but I do have to throw you the one hard news question because this was brought up to me by some you know friends that I have that are fans of the Canadian Football League and that sentiment was well if Ryan King is retiring he must know that there's not going to be a season can you just respond to that if that's any connection at all 
Yeah, I you know, no problem talking about that. And, you know, obviously we'll have lots of other calls coming up here regarding all that duties and stuff with my P, CFLPA role. Um, you know, it has nothing to do with it, and, and that's just the honest truth of it. Um, uh, this is something that's been kind of aligning for myself for the last, you know, a couple months, and, um, you know, one thing led to another, like I said, and, and this decision had to be made more for, you know, my future, my career outside of football, and, and you know, a big part of it to me was that, you know, Crystal Glass is so embedded in the community and, the, you know, and, and all that stuff, and, and that's a big part of what I want to do outside of the game. Of football so it just yeah it has nothing to do with um cfl and any news in that regards and if i can give a brief update on that then it would be that uh, you know cfl cflpa as i'm involved in all those committees um you know we're working daily right now uh to put a season together so if anything i would actually provide certainty that both groups are actively and very positively working together to to get a season together and obviously covid related and all that stuff but there's a lot of work getting done behind the scenes and and from both ends the players and the league they definitely want to have a season this year so we're doing the best we can uh you know every day right now behind the scenes all right well i'm, I'm glad i'm glad you answered that that way so that's that, that's good to hear for sure ryan king joining us on inside sports uh, announces his retirement after uh, a great career with the double e football team I, I want you to take me back though who was your first, like as a kid here, first ever football team, first ever coach? All right. Um, so Sherwood Park North Stars. So I started with Sherwood Park North Stars and, and, and Blake Derma. Throw a name out there. Uh, he was not only my coach, but he was my positional coach. And, and he saw this little wiry kid that loved to run around and hit people. So he, he put me from the DB to the linebacker position my first year uh, over at the, uh, at the North Stars. And uh, then went to Dutch AC, got Barkley Spady, um, incredible mentor of mine even to this day. Um, you know, played my three years there, won a provincial championship in 2002, uh, and went to them to Wildcats, Gary Dirtchuk, Darcy Park, all those guys. Had a great time playing with them. Got, you know, four years there. Uh, took a scholarship out to St. Mary's in Halifax, uh, Steve Samara, and I actually had Danny Laramie as a positional coach who uh, used to be an assistant at the Edmonton Eskimos uh, special team. So it was kind of cool to have that little connection. And, and then obviously uh, got drafted 2012. Eric Tillman, Cavis Reed, Ed Hervey. You know, eight eight seasons later, here we are. Crazy. So, well, I, I, I love how you remember all the people that influenced you along the way, which is, uh, which is pretty incredible. Look, a, a career highlight for you is obviously going to be the, the 2015 Grey Cup, the, the, best, uh, the best team you were on. I don't, I don't know there were other good teams, but that, that one won it all. What, uh, I mean, now that you look back and it was, you know, five and a half years ago since that Grey Cup, um, you know, what do you, what do you actually remember about that year or the great cup game? I mean, I can ask you what separated that team. I think we know that. I mean, you know, a lot of things clicked. You won a lot of close games. You know, Mike was at the top of his powers. Jones was doing a great job coaching. But when you sort of look back, there, there's got to be other things than, oh, that touchdown or that fumble or that field goal that sort of stand out. I mean, is there sort of a feeling or a vibe that you really remember about 2015? Yeah, I love that question. You know, appreciate the 
all the stuff prior to. I don't need to go into that. That's the pre-retirement talks with you, right? I can go right to the Grey Cup and almost the celebrations now, you know, and talk about all that good stuff. Uh, you know, honestly, to me, it's like that football game was as basic as a football game as any game could be. As And we didn't have a lot of penalties, so the game actually went really quick. You know, before I knew it, we were in like, you know, we're in halftime and speech coming out. We're down the whole game. We won. But the things I do reflect back on and I always remember is that um, it was it was second down and eight. And we had to get the first down to close the game out. And if not, we we're going to be in third down and eight. And I'm going to have to go out there and snap a punt to win, basically. And that's, you know, not really trying to do that, but uh, would. Um, and I remember just like so focused on the game. Darius Bowman gets the end around and he even ran towards the sideline and he made it like a big open field move, got the first down. And at that point it was just like, just, I almost like felt weightless in that moment. I knew it was a first down. Everything started clicking. Like we just won. And uh, I turned around and Ed Hervey was standing right there and he was in a black trench coat, black hat, you know, and uh, I didn't see him before that moment. And he just gave me a big hug and, you know, said, you know, we're great cup champs. We did it, you know. So that was that was a pretty pretty cool moment for me. Um, and then the locker celebrations. It is everything you could ever imagine. You know, you walk in, you leave at halftime, and you're in your locker. You come back, and the whole place is just plasticed up everywhere. And there's just humongous bins of champagne, beers, whatever. And it was just, it was an incredible experience. It's everything you could ever imagine it to be. You know, zero to hero pretty quick, and uh, that started the party that, uh, you know, lasted a good solid two to three weeks, you know. So, um, <laughs> incredible memories and experiences and time with the guys there, but it's definitely, you know, a sideline after the game, and, uh, you know, the celebrations in the locker room were, were pretty incredible. Ryan, I, I, I can tell you're emotional, so thanks for, for doing this. Um, I, I'm not going to quite let you off the hook, though, because i got a couple other questions, and, and these ones might make you emotional as well. Um, but, uh, you know, there are people listening who are fans of yours, and I think these, these are relevant to your journey and, and where you're going. Um, Kelvin McCarty also retired recently. I, I mean, sort of. I mean, you guys have been kind of linked, both longtime players, both good community guys. Um, I mean, what's it like to step away just a few weeks after Calvin did? Um, you know, I was proud for Calvin. Um, you know, it's 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 a brotherhood in the CFL, and that's something that you're always going to miss. You're always going to miss the locker room. You're going to miss those early mornings getting in there, sitting in the tubs and chatting up with the boys and you know, those are the memories that you always hold close to you because you know that it's, you need a locker room to do that. And, and for Calvin, he was such a locker room guy. And, you know, it was uh, it was incredible to see his leadership uh, throughout his, his career and in that room. And, you know, we grew so close together that, um, you know, I'm proud to retire with, with Calvin. You know, we, we put a lot of games in together. We, we, you know, played very close on the field together and watched a lot of film, all that kind of stuff. So for, for the two of us to leave the game, um at the same time yeah it's you know obviously emotional but it's it's something you definitely carry a, a lot of pride with to be able to play that many years with a guy like that and to be able to, to hang them up you know alongside him and and to sit in the stands together now and to travel down to calgary for the next battle of alberta and you know see what it's all about right so these are cool things that we're going to be able to enjoy together now uh moving forward and finally, 
on, and I don't know how much time you had to, to see some of this stuff today because, uh, you know, I know you've been doing a lot of interviews like these and probably catching up with a lot of people. But right away after the announcement came out, I saw a lot of fans posting pics on Instagram, on Twitter. Here's a time I pe- met Ryan. Here's Ryan at an event. Here's Ryan right after a game. He came over and took a picture with me. Jelena Mergenovic, the world boxing champ, who's going to be on the show later this week, put pictures of, of you and her on Instagram. And again, I don't know if you, how many you've seen or not, but what's it like to see that sort of uh, you know fan reaction when you make the decision to retire? Um, today was... Uh was an emotional day um you know the fans in the city and and growing up here and my family all that kind of stuff that's who you play for um and i just hope they all get to enjoy this as well too and to see all the love that's been out there and uh yeah i really appreciate it thanks for the question yeah well, Ryan, congratulations on being a great representative of the double E football team and the city. This is obviously not going to be the last time we talk. Uh, I've always appreciated talking football with you and also in your role with the Players Association. You've been very professional and very informative. And uh, we'll, we'll do this. We'll do this a lot. We'll talk some football. We'll talk some life. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate the support uh, over the years, Reed. And uh, yeah, I definitely look forward to Getting, uh, getting together and, uh, and doing this over again. That is Ryan King checking in tonight on Inside Sports. retires from the CFL Vic writing in he says I gotta admit that choked me up a bit what an amazing young man yeah it's always been good to have Ryan on the show always had good insight into how the team was doing and into what was going on with the Players Association as and as you heard him say that he's pretty optimistic that there will be a CFL season this year so that's obviously a story we'll keep following and all the best to Ryan as he mentioned he's still uh, involved with the PA a bit for the time being and uh, doing well with Crystal Glass and Ken Franchuk so good for Ryan awesome to have him on the show really appreciate him coming on tonight and uh, we'll have Nick Lewis in the next half hour as well the CFL put out its 2021 all right not the CFL I should say this is one thing I always have to remember it is not the Canadian Football League Hall of Fame it is the Canadian Football Hall of Fame which has a lot of CFL players in it and Nick Lewis one of the gentlemen who is going in this year you can get in touch 780-496-0063 that's the number to call or text You can get me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S, and the email inside sports at 630ched.com. The homework assignment I gave last night, and I did this uh, for two reasons. Number one being that I'm an argumentative curmudgeon. And number two being I wanted to show how difficult sometimes it can be to make trades in the NHL. And I said, okay, so you think Ken Holland didn't do enough? Well, list off the players in the organization that other teams might want 
and then take those players and make a list from that on the players that the Oilers would actually be willing to trade. And I said, I doubt you're going to have more than three or four names on the second list. So Joel from Houston wrote in. Now, Joel didn't give me his story, so I don't know if he's originally an Edmontonian or an Albertan or why he likes the Oilers, and now he's in Houston. It is cool hearing from people in other countries. It's it's fun. I mean, we have some uh, folks who follow the Oilers and listen to 630 Chet in Australia, New Zealand. Uh, Rob and I have had calls from um, Malaysia, I think, on uh, on Overtime Open Line, the UK a couple of times, so that's pretty cool. Anyway, so Joel says, this is in response to your homework assignment. The players the other NHL teams would want. No, this is his list. I'm not going to critique his list or start too much debate on it, but he says players other NHL teams would want. McDavid, Drysettle, Nurse, Barry, Nuge, Holloway, Bouchard, Broberg. Players they would consider moving, he said, maybe a first-round selection and maybe Ryan Nugent Hopkins since he's a UFA, but you may get a limited return. Well, especially now that he's uh, not been moved. And Joel adds, I, I want to add, I generally support the Oilers stockpiling their pipeline until the roster shows they are a top four to five team consistently. Building a strong team will be done through the draft. If the Oilers rush this, they will likely be handcuffed by overpaying free agents. Toronto looks good this year, but in two or three years, that Tavares deal is going to look tough. Joel, thank you for that. You did some homework. Uh, grammar was good. Spelling was perfect. Best that I can tell. Yet bonus pipe. I'm going to give Joel uh, an A-plus for his homework assignment. There will be no Memorial Cup this year. That was announced today by the Canadian Hockey League. So that's tough news. And uh, we just had Ryan King on the show. 780-496-0063 if, uh, if you want to get in touch. Uh, yeah, I do think there will be a CFL season. I don't know if it's going to be an 18-gamer. We, well, maybe we'll have uh, Dave or Morley on this week to kind of shed some more light on it because they're always pretty good with checking in with that kind of stuff. Training camp's supposed to start, what are we, about a month away from when camp would have been? A little bit less than that. So, uh, yeah, we need something to, to get going and something official, but hopefully we get that soon. Okay. 18 minutes left in Toronto, Calgary up 2-1 on the Maple Leafs, and it is David Riddick in goal for Toronto. His first start with Toronto comes against his former team. The Oilers are back at it on Friday. They will be in Vancouver. 5.30 face-off show game will start at 7 here on 6.30. Chad Vic says, i got to send Joel a canned ham. That will happen. We will get a canned ham down to Houston. We'll, uh, I don't know, we'll get a pigeon to carry it, maybe. Maybe a goose. When they go south, how far do Canada geese go when they go south? They got to go at least to Houston. Any geese experts out there? Any geeseologists? Anybody know what somebody who's an expert in geese is called? Help me out. <laughs> Nick Lewis, when we get back. Okay, Mike Smith and the Oilers on the ice for practice today. Nuge skated before practice. We'll see if he's with the main group tomorrow. Slater Cuckoo was out there for a little bit as well as he recovers from that broken collarbone. Uh, he did not take part in the main practice either. You had uh, Gaetan Haas centering Cahoon and Yamamoto without Nugent Hopkins on the ice. 780-496-0063 is how you can get in touch. I was asking about... Uh, uh geese how far south they go if anybody knows what a goose expert is called 
We got a wise guy here who says, uh, what do you call someone who's an expert in geese? I think boring probably covers it. Oh, my. Come on now. If you were an expert in geese, that's something to be proud of. James says, FYI, Reid, Canada geese haven't been flying south for over a year. The border is closed. LOL. And this texter says, Canada geese used to go to the Gulf Coast, but since COVID prevents them from crossing the border, they now only get as far south as Stettler, and they hang out in an Airbnb nest all winter. Wow, I like that creativity. That's pretty good. Oh, there was a good text here from John a little while ago after Jack was on. He says, Reed, I'm a huge Oilers fan, but what is Jack Michael smoking? Best goaltending in the division? What? In what universe? Certainly not the universe in which I exist, if I even exist at all. Do any of us really exist, or are we some infinite dream of the cosmos? That is heavy. That is heavy, John. We could be. Calgary and Toronto now 2-2, 11 minutes to go. Predators lead the Lightning 4-1 late in the second period. Panthers and Stars 1-1, start of the second. Rangers shut out the Devils, 3-zip. Capitals all over the Flyers, 6-1 late in the third. Bruins and Sabres now tied at 2. Taylor Hall has not scored. He has played 14 minutes, has a shot. Curtis Lazar is playing quite a bit. He's minus 1. With a shot, a penalty, and 12 minutes of ice time. Jays lead the Yankees 6 1 in the eighth. Hawks up 105 97 on the Raptors with just over a minute to go. The CFL Hall of Fame class for 2021 has been announced. Nick Lewis is part of it. Nick, welcome back to Inside Sports. Congratulations. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Tell me about receiving the news. Who did it? What was the moment? Uh, Matt Dunnigan. So, this is the first year they've let somebody call that you have a, a relationship with, right? So it was pretty cool. And two days before, me and my dad were talking about it, and he's saying, hey, are they doing a Hall of Fame thing? Do you think you're going to get in? And I said, well, I don't know. They didn't induct anybody last year. You know, they announced it, but there wasn't an actual induction. So I was like, I don't know if they're going to skip this year. I don't know what's going to happen. And, uh, yeah, two days later, I get a phone call from Dunnigan, which not out of the blue, you know, my first head coach and, and we keep in touch. Um, he was living in Dallas. So we, we've kept in touch over the years and, and things like that. So it wasn't strange to get the call from him. And, uh, we had a great conversation and yeah, he broke the news. So it was awesome. Okay. So you mentioned your dad, you know, dads yeah. and kids, when it comes to sports, tell, tell everybody about your dad and his influence on you as a human being and as a football player. Oh, it's great. We like we we don't like anything the same. Uh, I'm a Texas fan. He's USC in college. I'm, I'm a Cowboy fan. He's Steelers. But you know, my dad played basketball at Texas Tech, and uh, he was in college when I was born. And he's he's great. You know, he comes to all the great cups I've been in, and uh, he's the life of the party. And that's my dad, right? <laughs> so. It's fun, and, you know, we have a lot of conversations, but we hardly ever agree on anything in sports. Now, is he an honorary Canadian now because you've wound up playing in the CFL? <laughs> yeah, he comes up He comes up quite a bit, you know. Um, we're not at the point where he goes to Great Cups without me, but he, he definitely comes up quite a bit, and he loves Canada, and he's always been treated great um, in Canada. So he he definitely loves coming north of the border. 
All right. Well, good stuff. Uh, you know, for you, I know we've talked a little bit about your your past, but I I, I, asked, I just had Ryan King on the show who announced his retirement. I, I want to go back with you. Do you remember your first ever football team and your first ever coach? First football team, like, ever? That you, that you played on, yeah, even as a little guy. Yeah, so I was in the fourth grade, and um, I played on this team. It was probably 15 minutes outside of my hometown because my hometown didn't have a football team, um, like a little league like that or peewee or anything. So, yeah, I, I remember I scored four touchdowns my first game. I don't remember the head coach's name, but I remember that I got hurt and uh, I had a cast on. And the morning of the game, I was begging the doctor to take the cast off so I could play. And um, that was my first game ever. Played and I scored four touchdowns, and um, yeah, it was great. Okay, wait a minute. I feel like there's more to this story. First of all, why did you have the cast? Well, uh, in one of our practices, I got rolled up on, and I just remember putting uh, putting a cast on me. I don't know what. I don't remember ever getting X-rays or anything like that. Um, so I don't know if they just did it because or what it was, but yeah, somehow I ended up with a cast on, and I'm begging the doctor. Like, you got to take this cast off, like, a week later. And uh, finally, they cut the cast off, and I ended up going out there and playing. And what position were you? Running back. So I played so running back, just... and I played middle linebacker. And uh, I, I never really played receiver. I only played receiver two years in high school. And sorry, what age was this when you got the four touchdowns? Fourth grade. So I was, what, about nine, eight or nine? So were you just that much faster than everybody else? Were you bigger than everybody else? What was the deal? No, I was small. I was really small. I mean, my freshman year in high school, so imagine 14, 13, 14 years old, my freshman year, I was only 5'1", 114 pounds. So I was very small up until really my junior year. I grew um, about 7 inches over the course of uh, 15 months. And then that's when I got there. Then I grew another inch my senior year to get to 510 and yeah so I was really small and that's the crazy part I went from being one of the smallest guys on the field to one of the biggest <laughs> well that, well that's like obviously I I mean I I saw you play a ton and I mean what what do the kids would call you thick these days would they not like you, you, you yeah. know you could barrel over guys you know but you know my, my rookie year I was only 197 pounds All right if you go back to my rookie year and things like that. But my dad, we'll go back to genetics. My dad was um, is 6'3", 265, 270 pounds. I have a 28-year-old brother that's 6'4", 280, 285 pounds. So my genetics were just bigger. And when I hit 25, I, I just kind of grew out like them. I, I eat healthier than I've ever ate before uh, as I got older. And I was more disciplined more than I ever was as I got older. But I got bigger just through really genetics and, and not really um, diving too much into everything else. I Like, I didn't take supplements or vitamins or anything like that. So I was always pretty natural in everything I was doing. Right. Uh, Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Sorry, Nick, did I cut you off there? No, no. I said I should have listened to Jeff Hecht and, and took all the oh. powder and the pills that he takes, though. So. <laughs> Canadian Football Hall of Famer Nick Lewis joining us tonight on uh, Inside Sports. He was named to the 2021 class this morning. 
along with uh, a couple of D linemen, Will Johnson and Mike Walker, defensive backs Orlando Steinauer and Don Wilson, who had an interesting career with the double E. I think we're going to talk to him later this week. Former Alouette's coach Marv Levy and the sixth commissioner of the CFL, Doug Mitchell, also going to be uh, inducted. Well, Nick, let me ask you this. Who, um, I mean, a lot of players tell me they had that guy or usually a teammate that helped them be a pro, right? Because you go from college to the pros and now you're the best of the best and it's another step up and you get to learn even more about preparation and keeping in shape and uh, concentration. Did you have a guy like that in the CFL that helped you take uh, another step to go on to have such a great pro career? Oh, yeah. Uh, I think coming in, uh, Wayne McGarity, Salacio Stanford, and Albert Connell did a great job of, of molding me that first year, even through all the losses and, and getting our heads bashed in by Edmonton and everybody else in the league. Uh, but then the second year uh, was really eye-opening. It took me from just being a good athlete to doing what I did for the rest of my career was Jermaine Copeland. I don't, you know, having someone with the experience of him, but also the leadership, you know, Cope was a true leader on and off the field. And for me, his, what he gave me was invaluable, right? For me to be like his little brother, when he got there, I was like, we're like Batman and Robin. You know what I'm saying? You, you're Batman, I'm Robin, and I'm ready. Whatever you say, do, let's go do it. We're roommates on road trips. We We always hung out. And there was just nothing he didn't do for me on or off the field. And, you know, the cool part is, is I was happy for his success. He was happy for my success. And it was just like, it's just true joy to be around someone like that. Um, that you see somebody five, six years older than you and, and you're, you're able to accomplish so much together. Yeah, I like how you put that. You know what, Nick? It's interesting. I'm I'm looking back on your stats, and I I did not I, I would not have ever guessed this off the top of my head. I mean, you're you're the career leader in receptions. Yeah. I would I would not have known off the top of my head that your best year in terms of receptions was with Montreal in 2016. You got to 102. Like yeah, like I, I would just assume it would have been in Calgary. So what, what do you remember about that 2016 season? Well, um, going into the season, I remember getting a call from Pop and, and for Jock Chatelaine, and they were just basically saying, you know, you're not going to get the ball very much. Uh, we want you to be uh, a leader in the locker room. I was the, one of the captains. We want you to be a leader in the locker room. We want you to help the young guys, groom the young guys, do everything from that standpoint. B.J. Cunningham was – just now getting there or at the end of the previous year, uh, things like that. And, um, yeah, I told him, I said, you know what? I'm going to prepare to be the best. And, you know, I accept my role. I understand I need to help SJ and uh, BJ and all these other receivers there. And I understood that. And SJ got hurt the first or second game that year. And that's when everything changed. Right, everything changes, and and I tell people all the time, if you don't prepare yourself to be the best, you're not going to be ready for that opportunity. And when SJ went down, I really became the big focal point of that offense, um, especially on a lot of second down conversions and things like that. Um, AC did a great job of getting me the ball on second down. Uh, sometimes it was just, hey, we're just going to throw you a screen pass and let you do it with your legs. Sometimes it's getting down the field and and things like that. So. 
Um, circumstances happened, and I was able to do it. BJ wasn't ready to step into SJ's role, being new in the CFL. So a lot of the timing things that you have to learn at two in the boundary, we would switch roles on some second downs, and I would run it because Jock was more comfortable with me doing those things at that time. And then it kind of progressed through uh, our AC. So it kind of progressed through, right? So you're, we were able to see the true progression of how that went. And, you know, Cato had a tremendous amount of faith in me. If you look at the list of all the quarterbacks, I think he's number three on the list and most, uh, I think he's the third quarterback on the list for most catches that I've had is Cato. And oh, wow. we didn't get a lot of time together, right? But he was actually going, throwing me the ball. And I remember Vernon Adams, we were in Calgary, and Vernon was like, I was talking to my dad, and he told me, hey, if you get in the game, you better find eight. Right. He'll make you look good. <laughs> That's <laughs> said, awesome. So if I get in, I'm coming to you, you know? And so just being around those guys like that and, and, and just seeing, like, Honestly, seeing where Vernon is right now, seeing what he's doing in Montreal, changing that culture, doing everything, it's amazing. Um, I just want to say that. But, yeah, having all those different quarterbacks from Brandon Bridge to Kevin to Cato to Daniel Boone and and the countless others that year that I caught a pass from, it's just amazing. But you need the opportunity. Okay, one more for you, Nick. And I, I, uh, I, you know, it's been fun having you on over the last few years. You've kind of become a semi-regular on the show. Um, what is the meanest or the funniest heckle that you ever got from an opposing fan? Because you were the target of that. <laughs> so some opposing teams you know, didn't like you very much. There wasn't, too, there wasn't too many that were really good. I, you know, I was, I was just like, if you can make me laugh, I was good. But there wasn't too many. I mean, most people just stick with the you suck or you're fat or you're this. I'm like, come on, be generic. Like, do something. I remember a guy in Winnipeg said something about me, and I looked and I said, well, your girl likes me, and he looked at her and she smiled. And I was like, I told you. And But it was like, it's all fun. It's all fun and games. Like, we're not going to take this serious. You pay your money to say things to me and enjoy your experience. As long as you keep it respectful, you know, let's just keep it respectful. Like, let's not talk about parents. Let's not talk about, like, other stuff or get too in-depth. Just keep it surface and, and have fun. But at least do your research. I mean, we're in Saskatchewan one game, and the crowd starts yelling Kyle Cole Morgan, and nobody knew who that was. And then after the game, Bert Bell looks it up, and this is a lineman that beat the crap out of Sandro DeAngelis in, at Nebraska. And it's like – They've done their research that Sandro got beat up by a lineman in Nebraska. So then, you know, he becomes the butt of the jokes. But those are those are things that you should do as a fan if you really want to get into heckling people because those are the things that really matter. I mean, if you tell a player he sucks, like you wasted your breath on him, right? If you're if you're talking to me, then that means you must think I'm I don't suck because I don't hear you talking to the guy that doesn't get off the sidelines, right? 
There you go. That's a good way to think of it. Well, uh, Nick, as a guest on this show, you don't suck. So we'll do this again. Again, congratulations on being uh, named to the CFL, to the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. I hope the, you know they're able to have a ceremony and, and get the season going, obviously. And uh, when we have you on next time, we'll, uh, we'll be breaking down some plays, hopefully, and division races and all that fun stuff. Congratulations. That sounds great, man. Just whenever you just reach out to me. And I appreciate you. Y'all stay great in Alberta. That is Nick Lewis checking in on Inside Sports. McLeod and Raphael Lavoie have scored for the Oilers farm team, the Bakersfield Condors, who lead the Colorado Eagles 2-1 after the first period. Two minutes left between the Flames and the Leafs. It is 2-2. Overtime looming. Kellen Kennedy back at the 630 Jet Broadcasting Compound. Mm. Kellen, what do I need to know about WrestleMania so I can converse with wrestling fans for the next year? <laughs> Night one, really, really good. Night two, terrible. Who won the championship title belt? <laughs> well, uh, Bobby Lashley retained the WWE championship on night one against Drew McIntyre. And on night number two, Roman Reigns retained the universal title over Edge and Daniel Bryan. It was a three-way? Yep. Triple threat on night two. Well, I guess they don't call it a three-way. That could spark other <laughs> images. Triple threat. So, so they, oh, this is, they have two championship belts. Yes. Yeah. One for so each show. Have, one for Monday night, one for Friday night, basically. And where was this held again? Uh, Tampa, Raymond James Stadium. Same stadium that hosted the Super Bowl. And they actually had people in there for fans for both nights. Um, WWE saying 25,000 on uh, average 25,000 for both nights. So, now, How come the second night wasn't as good? Just quality of match? Quality of matches, yeah, that's about it. Uh, the first night, too, it, it was, looking at it on paper, a lot of experts had night one as the better of the two nights, and it played out like that. So, Okay, so now I know if somebody says, hey, hey, Reed, how about that WrestleMania? I can be like, well, yeah, but not the second night. Yeah, and then exactly. It'll seem like I know what happened. All mm -hmm. right, thank you, Kellen. That is Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. Also, thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of Inside Sports. You heard from Jack Michaels, Ryan King, and Nick Lewis. And, of course, always get more on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have Inside Sports once again from 6 to 8. Brendan Botcher's on the show, as is Kelly Rudy. Thanks for listening. My name's Reed. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.